0: Hey John.
1: Hey Nate. What's up? I think we need to talk. Okay. This one time I was on a really long car trip to Nebraska. I just eaten a half dozen tacos and John, John, John! I have a topic already. Thanks. Also,
0: please never finish that story. For anyone. I wanted to talk about what's going on here. At two, Nate. John, I know something weird is going on here. What kind of weird? Al? Science? Weird like this place? Let's not pretend like you haven't been acting a little extra off lately. I don't have the best experiences in the woods. And yet, this is the second time you've brought us out here.
1: This is for something bigger than me, Nate. <laughs> Man, you don't know anything about this, do you? No, I don't. But I know when a
0: place is bad. I've been there before. Not... Here, though, it was in the Screamer's Forest. I've never believed in urban legends, ghosts, the paranormal, or anything like that. For the most part, I've always considered myself to be a rational, decent fellow. Not once did it ever cross my mind that devils or ghouls ever existed. Ironically enough, the small old town I grew up in was. Shock full of them. I honestly could not believe how ignorant the people in the town were. They believed anything and everything that seemed like a logical fallacy. They embraced it wholeheartedly. They believed in healing rituals, dream catchers, and magical spells. Yes, my town was the epitome of superstition. Yes, as I'd said, they were very ignorant to modern science. There were several legends surrounding my little town, including stories involving a woman seen weeping on a lonely road dressed completely in white and cries of pain being heard from an unknown source at a location where there was a very severe car accident and several people were killed. And in all my years of being in this place, not once have I seen a lady crying in white or heard the groans of ghosts who died in an area. Naturally, I'd begun to question these claims and ultimately concluded them to be false. And yet, the townsfolk told these stories as if these things had happened to them personally, which I highly doubt. But there was one legend, in particular, that had everyone terrified. And for this reason, no one dared to enter the forest at night. My grandfather had informed me of this legend. Long ago, there was once a peaceful and benign Native American tribe who once inhabited the region we currently resided in. They'd respected their land and one another and treated any guests with the utmost respect. When early European settlers entered their territory for the first time, the compassionate tribe welcomed their new visitors warmly instructing them on how to raise crops and hunt for game. Subsequently, the Europeans repaid their services with cruelty, destroying their lands, spreading disease into their families, and selling their tribesmen for a profit to other settlers. To their horror, the tribe felt helpless as the Europeans arrived in vast numbers, violating their once sacred land. After watching his family and fellow tribesmen suffer agonizing deaths at the hands of the invaders, the chief of the tribe begged the Great Spirit for retribution. In a shamanistic ritual, he prayed that the foreigners had disgraced the land he and his people had treated so lovingly, and he beseeched the all-powerful deity to exact revenge on them for all the pain they've caused. Shortly afterwards the chief died of disease brought over from the settlers. According to the legend, when the last member of the tribe had perished, there was still one patch of forest that had been untouched by the malicious settlers. This land was, according to the legend, the piece of land that the Great Spirit protected to honor the memory of the fallen tribe and its sorrowful chief. Whenever a foreigner was to travel into this particular forest at around midnight, they say a hideous, demonic being would attack them. And its most distinctive feature was its voice. It would let out a scream so loud that it could demolish buildings. In some form of the rumors, they say that the scream drives people mad. Others say it can hypnotize whoever hears it. For this reason, the forest in which this creature inhabits has come to be known as the Screamer's Forest. Truth be told, as a kid, that legend sort of gave me the chills. I knew there was a good possibility that a portion of it was factual. After all, I'd read several books detailing the accounts of the Native Americans and in their own words, describing the horrors of seeing their once-sacred land wither away to nothingness. And although I felt pity on the tribe, I didn't think there was a demonic spirit protecting their land, as the legend claimed, or so I'd indicated. My friends Frank, Joe, Phil, and I loved a good scare. We'd often pull pranks on various denizens of my town due to their strong belief in the supernatural. Not ones that were too serious, just silly ones. Even though we knew it was all fabricated, we enjoyed hearing tales of ghosts and demons. When summer was ending, we decided to do one final activity to finish off the season. We'd be heading off to college again very soon, so we knew we wouldn't be having fun for a while we decided on going on a camping trip. We couldn't go too far, so we settled on a campsite around our town. Just to add an extra scoop of excitement, we decided to rent a cabin right in the middle of Screamer's Forest, where the entity reportedly lurks. The next day, we packed up our food, clothing, and materials for the trip. When we drove towards the cabin campsite We laughed and joked around about our daily lives and occasionally made cracks about the silly urban legend surrounding the forest. Finally, after about an hour, we made it to the forest. In all honesty, it was a very tranquil forest, and because of the townsfolk being scared shitless of the legend, we had the entire forest to ourselves. We heard the birds singing their colorful songs, All the creatures of the forest scurried along the trees and grassy floor, and the air had a cool, refreshing breeze. For a moment, I had no idea just what in the world had everyone terrified of this place. Quite frankly, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. I wouldn't have mind living here. My friends and I unpacked our belongings and set up camp. The cabin itself, although a little run down, was very cozy and comfortable. There was an upstairs bedroom where four people could sleep, just enough for the four of us. After the labor was done, we all went out and explored the forest. It was filled with wildflowers, colorful critters, and a lake that sparkled in the sun. It was truly a sight to behold. There was no photograph or image online I've seen that has made this particular area look bland. We were having a lot of fun, so it was only natural that we didn't notice the time. The sun began to set and the water turned from a crystal blue to a more purplish color. We decided to head back and sit around the campfire before turning in. As we sat around the fire, still laughing and joking, we began observing our surroundings. In the daylight, the forest seemed tranquil and peaceful, but at night, it began to appear a little unsettling. The dancing flames in the center of our campsite illuminated the trees, making them appear like fiery monsters. I suppose the macabre scenery provided Frank with a little ghoulish inspiration because he suggested, hey, what do you guys think of that legend? That suddenly triggered a series of oohs and chuckles from the guys. They knew the story well. It was a popular one indeed. We began chattering about the screamer and what we thought it looked like, what it did, and and what could possibly have caused all this commotion over it. Just when it began getting entertaining, the flame begins to die down. We all groaned because we liked this conversation and we were in the perfect environment for it. "'Oh, fuck, right when it was getting good,' moaned Frank, rolling his eyes and sighing heavily. "'Yeah,' added Phil, picking up a stick on the floor and throwing it at the flames, as if that was going to bring it back. "'This sort of shit happens all the time when things get good. "'Settle down, guys,' I said, standing up, pulling my hoodie over my shoulders and reaching for the flashlight we'd packed for the trip. "'Now go get some.' My friends all nodded their heads and exchanged words of agreement as I wandered my way into the dismal, lonely forest. Truthfully, I don't know what the hell possessed me to go get some firewood in the dead of night. Perhaps it was due to the fact that I still feared the legend of the Screamer, and I sort of wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't real. Of course, that wouldn't be a hard thing to do because I didn't really believe in any of that rubbish. But... That fear was eh, still there, you know? That fear in which you think, that's okay, I got it under control. But then you're realizing you're just trying to convince yourself that everything's going your way. In reality, you have no idea what the hell will happen and you're scared stiff. I slowly marched my way deeper and deeper into the forest, looking for sticks and twigs to toss into the fire. I bent down to snatch up a few from the grassy, muddy floor. And that's when I heard it. That sound. That groaning. When I was picking up the shrubs and sticks, I heard something like a groan. Not a menacing groan, more like a groan that sounded as if it were in pain. A wail someone would make if they were recovering from a stomachache or a broken bone. I suddenly stood up straight and, for some reason, I instinctively shut off my flashlight. I suppose it was because I didn't want whatever was making that eerie groaning noise to detect me. The groaning continued for a moment. It sounded distant, but still loud enough to be heard. My eyes slowly scanned the forest from left to right, trying to see if my eyes could catch... Some sort of movement in the darkness. It was there that I decided I'd have no choice but to turn on my flashlight. I just had to see whatever the hell was making those sound effects. I slowly lifted up the flashlight and flicked it on. I carefully shined it on every nook and cranny of the woods, trying to uncover the source of those haunting moans. At first, I saw nothing but shrubs, bushes, and grass, when suddenly I caught a glimpse of a tall, lanky figure in the shadows. I redirected my light towards the spot where I'd seen it standing, and indeed, I'd seen correctly. At first, I didn't know what I was looking at. If I could describe it, it appeared to be a very tall, thin being with pitch black skin. On their head, I could visualize something that appeared to be long, snake-like hair. Their fingers were long and branch-like, with long claws at the end of them. The most disturbing detail on this being, however, would have to be its eyes. Its eyes were glowing a fire-engine reddish color, appearing vile, evil, and menacing. Its face lacked a nose and a mouth, or... At least it seemed to be. Its head seemed to have been twisted in an impossible manner, as if something had tried to snap its neck or something. What was this thing? Was it even a human? Was it some unknown species of animal? uh, An alien? Was it someone playing a joke? I simply kept my flashlight anchored on the being, just watching as it stood there blending in with the darkness of the forest. I then saw it take a very subtle step towards me. I felt myself flinch when it did that because by now I had begun getting uneasy. And then I heard that pained groan again. And that's when I realized that that groaning was coming from this, this thing The monster groaned again this time more prominently than it initially had i shined my light on its face trying to get a better glimpse of it when i did i saw its long lanky arms slowly reaching up to its head it moved its arms slowly and agonizingly as if it didn't want to make any sudden moves it then grabbed its face and gruesomely turned its head to the correct position. I heard the bones in its neck cracking and snapping as it shifted its neck and head. The monster then slowly stood up straight, its eyes now completely focused on mine. For what seemed like an eternity, the being and I just stared at each other, my light still shining on its face. It just stood there, panting slightly and peering into my soul. I remember my eyes shifting from left to right, not knowing what to do at this point. Then something both odd and frightening occurred. The monster seemed to lean forward a little, just a little. And right when it did that, a powerful wind gust, practically hurricane force, began whipping me from behind almost knocking me off of my feet. As the wind lashed at me, I glimpsed at the monster once again. Now, it was slowly beginning to lean backwards once again. What was it doing? Was it trying to suck me in? Finally, the fierce winds ceased. I managed to regain my balance and catch my breath. Then one last time, I gazed at the demon in front of me. I then saw it slowly shift its shadowy head backwards, and I witnessed and heard the most unearthly of things I've ever seen in my life. The monster's previously blank face suddenly developed a colossal mouth that strongly resembled a trumpet. It had razor-sharp yellow teeth and a long, slithering tongue. It was hideous. And what was even worse is the sound that came out. Never will I ever hear something as demonic, frightening, or painful as that scream it made. When it opened its mouth, another volatile and vicious wind blasted me. This time, it was even more powerful than before. The trees rattled violently. The dirt off the ground began spraying all over me, and I could have sworn I even felt the earth shaking beneath my sneakers. Could all of this be happening because of the monster's voice? And then came that horrible noise, that noise that would be with me until the day I died. Its scream started out resembling a siren a high-pitched wail of sorts that became louder with every passing second. Then it slowly shifted lower in tone to a more human-like sort of screaming, a man's scream. Finally, the screaming reached its critical point. This time, the scream sounded like a combination of all three sounds, the wailing, the human-like screaming, and now it resembled an extremely loud groaning a devilish groaning. The groaning sounded similar to a cruise ship's horn and a clap of thunder. And when it did reach that point, I felt myself collapse to my knees and I shut my eyes. I clamped my hands over my ears, trying to barricade that dreadful ear-shattering noise that was vomiting out of that vile creature's mouth. The sound was unbearable, unscruciatingly painful. If I could try my best to compare it to something, I'd say it felt like two needles being forcefully shoved into my ear canals. I couldn't stand that fucking noise. If I sat there listening to it any longer, I would have surely gone mad. It's almost as if the noise itself wanted me dead. In the midst of all the pain and insanity, I opened my eyes slightly. I witnessed the creature still standing there, screaming and causing the entire forest to quake violently. In the middle of all the insanity, I noticed that I dropped my flashlight. With my ears still covered, I looked down and saw it on the ground. The gust of wind from the screaming was so powerful that I actually observed it rocking back and forth on its side. Suddenly, the glass shield in front of the light bulb shattered into a million pieces. The decibel level of the screaming must have been off the charts. That's when I realized I needed to get out of there. If I stood here another minute, my ears would explode without a doubt. I slowly got to my feet. The screaming of the demon even made it difficult to walk. I limped my way in the opposite direction of the beast. I slowly turned around to get one more look at it and I couldn't believe that this entity had such powerful lungs. What was it? Where did it come from? Why was it doing this? I slowly sped my limping into a run and got out of there while still covering my ears. It was much more difficult to navigate my way around the forest this time around since I'd abandoned my flashlight back where I first witnessed the monster. Finally, just as mysteriously as it came, the high winds and the piercing in my ears suddenly ended. I screeched to a halt and whirled around. There was nothing there. That bizarre creature suddenly vanished. But how? Did I imagine all of it? No. Impossible. I took advantage of this momentary silence and immediately dashed through the forest to locate my friends and try and get the hell out of there. For about five minutes, I frantically sprinted through the woods, searching for signs of our campfire illuminating the darkness. I was so close to giving up hope when I finally spotted a glinting orange light in the distance. Without hesitation, I scurried towards it as fast as I possibly could. As I drew nearer, The familiar chattering of my friends slowly came with an earshot. Never did I ever think that I'd be so relieved to have heard their voices. I felt a sense of security to hear them all. I charged through the bushes, panting and sweating from the very unusual experience I had back there. My friends all stared at me with curious expressions and their eyebrows arched. They began standing up and approaching me, and a barrage of questions ensued. Whoa, where have you been? Where's the firewood? How come you're all sweaty? I bent over with my hands on my kneecaps, trying to regain my breath so I could explain just what the hell I'd seen and heard. I, I, uh, I said in between heavy panting, I saw, I saw a creature in the woods. A creature? inquired Joe, tilting his head. What kind of creature? I I, I don't know, I replied, becoming slightly hysterical as images of that hideous beast clawed its way into my mind. It was this, this thing. It was was tall and skinny and it had these long claws and, and its voice. Whoa, man, I think you need to slow down a little. I slowly shook my head and swallowed a lump in my throat. Didn't, (laughs) Didn't you guys hear that sound? That, That scream? My trio of friends all exchanged confused glances towards one another. And then he turned to me. Frank stepped forward to speak for them. He shook his head and answered. No, bro. We didn't hear any scream. I was speechless. How could they not have heard that dreadful wail? There was no way I could have imagined it. No way at all. But, but, I stammered as my head turned towards the heavily forested area. It was so loud. I thought my eardrums were going to explode. How could you guys not have... I think we better head off to bed, said Joe, putting his hand on my shoulder. You look tired. Frank and Phil both uttered words of agreement, and we headed inside the cabin. But how could they not have heard it? This didn't make any sense. Even though I was among friends, I felt so alone. They didn't believe a word of it. As I marched with them towards our cabin, I could see them whispering things, most likely about me. By now, they were probably thinking about packing up, going home, and registering me into an insane asylum. But I know I saw something out there. Something evil. And I had the feeling it wanted us out. Inside, we climbed into our beds. My friends happily joked around as they changed their clothes, brushed their teeth, and streamed music on their smartphones. As for me, well, I was just lying in bed. I couldn't get that horrible, shadowy figure out of my head. What the hell was it? Where did it come from? Was it an animal A human? A demon? All these questions were furiously branded into my brain. Suddenly, that legend that my grandfather had told me came into my head. More particularly, the entity known as the Screamer. Could it have been? Could it have been that thing that I had just seen in the forest? No. That's crazy talk. It's just a Silly urban legend to scare off the local kids. Or so I hoped. Finally, the guys finished up what they were doing and called it a night. Right before shutting off the light, they'd given me a few words of confidence, and they said everything would be better in the morning. Those poor, poor souls. When the light dimmed and the darkness engulfed the room, I laid in bed, staring at the ceiling. I still couldn't get that thing out of my head. That screaming, that horrible screaming, was still ringing volatilely in my ears. As I gazed at the ceiling, I'd lost track of the time. By now, I'd started hearing my friends beginning to snore quietly. I, on the other hand, was wide awake, with my thoughts racing. I then sighed heavily, and then... I began to slowly calm down. I know that what I'd seen in the forest was unquestionably an oddity, but lying in bed all night, worrying about what it might have been, certainly wouldn't do anything for me. My nerves eased, and I closed my eyes, trying to rid my mind of the thing I had seen. Just when I slowly started to settle down, I heard something outside. My eyes instantly shot open. Every muscle in my body tightened, and my eyes swung from left to right. I even held my breath, trying to see if my ears weren't playing tricks on me. But yes, I heard correctly. I heard groaning, that familiar groaning from the forest. I felt a knot in my stomach. A chill slithered down my spine. I felt my face twist in horror as I heard the groaning approaching our cabin. I heard whatever's coming's feet scraping along the dusty grass ground. Hesitantly, I slowly creaked my head towards the window. But then, I suddenly changed my mind and turned my head in the other direction, and I shut my eyes tightly. I felt sweat beginning to trickle down my forehead. My breathing suddenly increased in speed and intensified. I quietly began mouthing a prayer. I wanted whatever was out there to go away. Go away and never come back. I then heard a thud. Like something was hitting itself against the cabin's wooden walls outside. At least that's what I initially interpreted as being... And then I heard it again, and again, and once more. Gathering any courage I had, my eyes slowly swung over to the window once more. I heard one more thud before seeing something I wish I hadn't. I saw a large clawed hand appear at the window. I gasped and I threw my sheet over my face, trembling like a leaf. Suddenly, I heard the window shatter violently. I threw the sheets off of my face, and I looked. And there it was. That hideous demon from the forest stood on top of the broken glass, its crimson eyes glowing brightly in the darkness. My friends shot up from their beds, staring at this entity in disbelief. What the fuck is going on? I heard Phil shriek. What is this? I recalled Frank crying out. The screamer's cold, evil eyes slowly scanned the room, and its eyes landed on Joe. It slowly turned its head towards him. As it did, I heard the bones in its neck snapping and crunching multiple times. I just sat there in my bed, paralyzed with fear and disbelief. And for a moment, just a brief moment, I wanted to scream out, See, I told you. I told you, I fucking saw something. That thought was quickly intercepted by what I had seen next, and what I saw happen to Joe will forever be engraved into the memory banks in my mind. Quicker than a bolt of lightning, the screamer leapt on top of Joe's bed, and it snatched his neck. I recall hearing him coughing violently and seeing blood drip from his neck. His hands gripped the demon's wrist a response to the sudden shock to his windpipe. The creature easily lifted him off of the bed, with his legs dangling in the air as if he were a large puppet. It held him just a few inches away from its face. The screamer leaned its head back, took in a deep breath, and it wailed right into Joe's face. Just like before, it had started out like a siren, then a human's wail, and then a low, Ominous moaning. I felt my bed beginning to tremble violently, and I once again covered my ears to shield them from that sound. My eyes shifted to Joe just to see what was going on, and I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. The demon screaming was so loud that I saw the flesh on Joe's face beginning to peel off. First his skin came off in small flakes. Then, as the screaming persisted, I saw the skin begin to go flying off in colossal chunks. Patches of flesh and skull began to reveal themselves. Finally, the entity ceased the wailing, and it slowly turned to us with Joe's bloody neck still in its clawed grip. It then seemed to hold up Joe's body in victory, as if trying to give us some sort of message. We all watched in utter horror as our friend's flinched face bled, his jaw hanging lifelessly. The screamer then tossed his body aside as if he were a rag doll and then turned to us, its next victims. Frank and Phil both bolted for the door and I did the same. The three of us dashed out of the room into the hallway and down the stairs. As we sprinted down the steps, we heard that wail starting up again. The screaming shook the entire cabin, causing chunks of wood to fall off of the ceiling and the windows to rattle violently. Trying our hardest to resist the overwhelming pain of the intense shriek, we sprinted out of the cabin, leaving behind our materials, and dove into the car. Frank hopped into the driver's seat, Phil jumped into the passenger's seat, and I got into the back seat. My friend jammed the key into the ignition and the car's engine roared to life. Without hesitation or minding the protocols of operating a vehicle, Frank slammed on the acceleration and sped out of there as fast as the car could go. I remember that, right before the cabin vanished out of sight, I gazed back to stare at the cabin. I saw the screamer crawl out of the entrance door and its head shifted rapidly from left to right, searching for us. Just before disappearing into the darkness, I saw the demon's burning red eyes stare at us, driving away. We all gasped and breathed sighs of relief, thankful that we got out alive. Christ, uttered Phil, placing his hands on his chest and panting heavily. What the fuck was that? I don't know, Frank replied, keeping his eyes on the road but I'm sure as hell not going to stay and find out. You you see, I said, still trying to catch my breath. I told you, I saw some weird shit out in the forest. They both didn't respond. I suppose they didn't want to admit that they were wrong. I shook my head and continued breathing heavily. Then my eye shifted to the rearview mirror. To my surprise and horror, I saw the screamer come sprinting right up behind us at a remarkable breakneck speed. I whirled around and I saw its fire engine red eyes. Our car's taillights made them glow like cinders in a flame. Oh, shit, I cried as I observed the demon coming in close. My two friends turned around to see it, and then Frank stepped on the gas. Get us the fuck out of here, screamed Phil as his eyes remained anchored on the screamer. For a moment, it appeared as though we would actually outrun it. The screamer seemed to slow down for a minute, still keeping up, but at a further distance than it was initially traveling. Just then, it jumped high into the air, disappearing from sight. Where the hell did it go? asked Phil. We both began searching carefully for it, trying to see where it might have gone. Silence. Absolute silence. Our car roared down the path, and for a moment, all seemed serene and tranquil. I took a quick glance at Frank, and I observed his worried face and eyes locked onto the road in front of him. Phil frantically looked from left to right, trying to spot the horrifying entity that was apparently stalking us. I turned once more, trying to see if I could make out the screamer in the faint light. But it was nowhere to be seen. Did we outrun it? Finally, I calmed down for a moment. Just a moment. I sunk back into my chair, and I took a deep breath. Phil finally settled down into his seat, but I could still sense the fear within my friends. We sat there speechless, probably because we were all too terrified to speak of what we had just saw. But then, the worst came. The screamer suddenly landed on top of the hood of our car. The vehicle bounced wildly a single time, and the demon's eyes were glowing that blood-red shade. An explosion of cries and profanity escaped our lips as the monster peered at us inside. It then raised its long, slim arm, and its hand burst through the windshield and it seized Frank's face. I could hear Frank's horrified, muffled screams as the creature's clawed fingers dug into his cheekbones. The car began swerving violently, left to right as the monster impeded Frank's vision. I could see my friend grab the screamer's wrist and try to desperately rip away the hand on his face. But as hard as he tried, the being was far too powerful for him. Finally, the screamer tore his hand away from Frank's face, only to leave a patch of fleshy, blood-stained skull and an eyeball dangling from a piece of flesh in its place. The creature roared that demonic growl for a second, and then it leapt off of our hood into a place that I didn't see—most likely the trees. The car made another violent swerve towards the left and it crashed right into the trunk of a huge tree. Shards of glass went flying everywhere, and the body of the car shook violently. Oh, shit, I groaned as I tore at the handle of the door to the left of me. We gotta get the fuck out of here, man, I heard Phil shriek madly. We both opened our doors and went sprinting out of the car and went separate directions. At this point, it was every man for himself. I darted straight into the dark forest, knowing full well the risks that came with being in there. The screamer could very well have been waiting for us in there, and it would pick us both off, like flies. Sharp branches from the surrounding shrubs and bushes scraped me as I scurried through the dense wooded area away from the vehicle. As I dashed, I couldn't help but think of Phil. Where had he run off to? Was he okay? Would it have been better if we stuck together? I then stopped for a moment to catch my breath. I bent over and placed the palms of my hands on my kneecaps and took deep breaths. For a moment, all seemed silent, when all of a sudden I hear a blood-curdling scream that made my hair stand on end. I immediately stood up perfectly straight, with my eyes wide and my mouth slightly agape. To my horror, I recognized the voice. It was Phil's. At first, I heard just deranged, painful screaming. But then I began hearing some of the bizarre groaning mixed in with those screams. I then heard Phil begin to urgently call my name, begging for me to come to his aid. But I didn't move. What in the fuck could I do besides get us both slain? I just stood there, listening in horror as my friend was torn to shreds by this entity from hell. As the attack progressed, I could hear Phil's screaming become more garbled and deranged, to the point of where he was just coughing and gasping, and possibly even vomiting. Until finally, the agonizing wails of my friend ceased. He was dead. I was the sole survivor of this trip. I took a deep breath and quickly came up with a plan. The car, although damaged from the crash into the tree, was still functional. In fact, I could hear the engine still rumbling. I would bolt for the car and try to drive away as soon as possible. I know for a fact that the screamer was now hunting for me. I had no other choice. If I remained stationary... I would die. I peered through a few bushes, and I could see the car still on, headlights still working all right, smoke slithering out of the tailpipe, and the engine still rumbling. Gathering all the strength that I could, I sprinted towards the vehicle. I could hear myself breathing more obstreperously than ever before, and sweat poured down my face and head in buckets. Finally, I reached my goal. I got to our car, and I could still see Frank's dilapidated corpse sitting in the driver's seat. His face was mutilated and atrocious. But I know I didn't have time to feel grief over my lost friend, nor disgusted by the putrid wound left on him by that monster. I grabbed his cadaver with one hand on the collar of his blood and sweat stained shirt, and the other by his shoulder, and I yanked his body out of the car. I tossed it onto the side of the road and hopped into the seat. The keys were already in the ignition, so all I had to do was reverse the car and get the fuck out of this hellhole. As I was in the process of backing up the car and rotating the wheel, I suddenly saw them from the corner of my eyes two burning cinder like orbs staring at me from the dark treetops. Without hesitation, I slammed on the acceleration and took off at full speed. My hands trembled while they were on the steering wheel, and my eyes remained anchored on my rearview mirror. I sat there praying as I drove, despite my agnostic beliefs, that I needed to find comfort in something. I felt a cold grip of fear tighten around my neck, and my heart racing as I saw the screamer's tall, lanky body come chasing the car. I clenched my teeth and my hands on the wheel tightened as I saw its eyes glowing malignantly and it coming closer and closer. I then witnessed it crouch down as if preparing to leap. I knew what it was going to do. It performed a mighty hop, similar to that of a frog's, towards the car. I jerked the car quickly to the right, evading the creature. I saw it turn its hideous face in a somewhat flabbergasted manner. Then it tried another leap at me. I swerved to the left, once again dodging its attack. It went on like this for nearly 30 seconds when, suddenly, the screamer stopped leaping at me. This time, it simply sprinted up beside me. The car was going as fast as it could, so I couldn't get away. The screamer then lifted its long, skeletal-like arm and slashed at my door's window, An involuntary reflex made me put my arm up to defend myself. The demon's claws scraped my arm, and a sharp, stinging pain shot up through it. I cried out in pain and stared at the three massive claw marks that served as my wound. Blood began oozing out of them, and I shook my head. Fuck! I screamed aloud as my hands got back on the steering wheel. The screamer then lunged at the side of my vehicle once again, and this time, it slashed at my face. I cried out once again and clutched my face, feeling blood beginning to ooze through the slits of my fingers. Suddenly, the screamer grabbed the car's door and tore it right off its hinges. It began to reach out towards me. I jerked the wheel to the right and evaded its grasp. Suddenly, the screamer stopped. I stared at it through my rear-view mirror. It just stood there, tall and staring at me in some trance-like state. I blinked and took deep breaths. Why did it just stop? What did I do to make it cease its attack? As I sped down the road towards what seemed to be my escape, I suddenly felt it. That intense gust of wind and the loud unearthly scream i clenched my teeth and shut my eyes tightly as i braced for it the scream once again caused my vehicle to rock from left to right as if i were driving in some intense hurricane the windows of my car or what was left of them began to rattle it shattered the remains of the windshield and the trees swayed violently back and forth Dirt and rocks began flying in the air, and my ears stung in such pain. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, the howling stopped. I took a deep breath and peered at my now cracked rearview mirror. The screamer was nowhere in sight. My muscles relaxed, and I leaned back into my seat, I drove home as quickly as possible to get away from this place. I parked my car right outside my house and barged inside. I shut the door behind me and I immediately collapsed onto the floor, exhausted and terrified by what I had experienced. That thing, its long, slim body, its fire-red eyes, its hideous shrieks of terror, As I slowly drifted off to sleep, my final thoughts were questions regarding why it had stopped. I thought about that legend my grandfather told me long ago. And then it hit me. I got out of the patch of land that the screamer was assigned to guard. I survived simply because of a certain boundary. I now knew I would never venture into that forest again because something was in there, a vengeful spirit or entity protecting the land of a Native American tribe who was treated so poorly.
1: I'm sorry you went through that, but that's got nothing to do with what's going on here. Oh yeah? Where is everyone? Why is it just the two of us here? Nate, we're almost done. Just relax, man.
0: How am I supposed to relax? Every day that passes, things just seem more off. The noises in the woods, you being all cryptic about things that have gone missing around here. Uh, That weird serial killer story you've only brought up all of twice as you keep forgetting it's even a thing?
1: Nate, relax let me tell you a little story. What for? (laughs) For fun. For life. For death. This is about the camp in the White Mountain. In the summer of 2003, two brothers in their 30s, Paul and Richard Morris, traveled to the White Mountains in Arizona. The mountains, engulfed in dense forests, were full of rivers bursting with fish. and Richard was a keen fisherman. The Morris brothers were heading there to get away from it all for the summer. They were wise to pick this location as its remoteness provided peace away from other people. The two had stayed in their uncle's solitary cabin located deep in the central forested part of the range. Their uncle had sent an email to him about the cabin weeks before. He said he was giving it up for them as he was moving into retirement. After several hours cycle riding, they finally arrived at the cabin. They brought in their belongings and noticed a cabinet at a computer which Paul checked out, perfect for storing photos and for emailing their friends about their trip. There were no files on the PC or password, so they assumed their uncle had left it free and clear for their own use. Later that evening, they went out fishing to a river about a mile away. Richard knew the rivers there had all the best salmon and trout, and he hoped that he'd make catch of the day, or even the month, as his uncle used to say. After more than an hour of fishing, the two set off back home with a fresh catch to eat by the fire. Paul had taken some photos of the fish they had caught and went into the cabin's computer to upload them. However, as they entered, Richard noticed an unusual trail of a brownish-black city substance that was leading into the house from the edge of one of the floorboards. Richard followed the trail and saw it led to and stopped abruptly in front of the computer. Paul asked him what he was doing, and Richard pointed out the trail for him. Feeling disturbed, Paul decided to upload his photos to the PC while Richard studied the substance to work out what caused it. He first saw it might have been a small fire or something like that. Richard looked at the floorboard where the trail started, but couldn't lift it up. It was stuck like cement. Meanwhile, Paul noticed an untitled file in the documents folder. This was peculiar, as when he logged on previously, it was empty. Opening the file, his jaw dropped, he nearly fell off his chair. Richard was alerted by his brother's shouting and rushed to the scene. Richard tried hard not to cover his eyes when he saw the screen. A disturbing, sepia-like image, about the size of an ordinary photo, was present in the center of the monitor. The image depicted a witch-like woman with a thin, stitched mouth with an expressionless face. It was unclear if it was a photo or drawing, but it left Paul in hysterics. Who put it on and when?" Paul continuously asked his brother. Was it you that did this? He demanded. But Richard strongly denied this. The computer normally could tell them the time and date the picture was saved, but it said nothing. Has this trail got anything to do with this? He begged for answers more. Neither of them would know how the image got onto the computer. It had no files before and this cabin was miles away from any other human settlements. The cabin included padlock doors, windows, and 24-7 CCTV, which were mainly there for deterring dangerous animals. But the brothers could find no evidence from these to solve how this chilling work of art could have gotten onto the computer. However, when reviewing the blurry CCTV tapes, they could see the half-hour mark of Camera 3. The trail randomly appeared from nowhere. This caused Paul to panic more. Desperate for answers, the two went to phone the police, but the phone wouldn't work. What's wrong with it? Gasped Paul. Richard told him it simply would not work. The phone made no sounds when he dialed the cops, and checked its wires, which seemed to be in good condition. Feeling too overwhelmed already from the image that had frightened them out of their skin, they decided it was worth leaving the now ghastly cabin They swore they would talk to their uncle as well as the police once they got back to civilization. They called the cops upon arriving back home, who went to investigate with them along with the detectives. The police and detectives could not explain the image or the mysterious trail. The brothers turned to their uncle, who they vowed to speak to about this. Why'd you send us to that creepy cabin of yours? Richard snapped to him over the phone, to which their uncle replied. But... I don't have a cabin. You see? See what? You don't get it, do you? You still don't get why we're here. The stories, the strangeness... I had to bring you all here. I had to. John, what are you doing? Sit down. No, Nate. I have to make you understand. I have to make you...
2: This was the last recording retrieved from the summer camp. The whereabouts of the creepy narrators are currently unknown. As is the extent of the madness that engulfed their host and leader. What could have driven him to such depths of despair? had he finally looked out beyond the horizon into the futility of existence, the abyss we dare not stare into only to find that he was the monster he feared under his bed at night. A monster of such extreme temperament and psychotic drive that he would never find happiness. Instead, Inflicting the pain he felt on a daily basis.
1: What the fuck are you doing? (coughs) What? Huh? Oh, shit. Shit. God damn it. Who the fuck are you? What are you doing with my audio files? Uh,
3: Hi, my name uh, is Joshua Jenkins, your uh, honor, and I am one of your interns, sir. Good sir. Good sir.
1: Intern? I thought they were all d I I mean- Thought they all went back to school. Yeah, they're dead.
3: Yeah, no, I, uh, I hid during the calling, your majesty. John, just
1: call me... You know what? I kind of like that. Also, it wasn't a calling. It was performance reviews.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's just I, I've never seen so much blood during performance reviews. Forget
1: all that. I asked what you were doing. What's with that German documentarian voice?
3: Oh, that, um, so that, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's kind of funny. I I was going through your audio and realized that it was just a, a little boring. I mean, is that wrong to say? Like, so, I mean, personally, I thought your listeners might like it if there was, you know, some more suspense, you know, just a little, just take it up a notch. And so what I've been doing, um it's funny you haven't noticed this i've been replacing your audio after every time you post it i've been deleting it uh scrubbing it from the net the worldwide net the the wwn and um just re-uploading it with the stuff the stuff i make um and you know when you didn't say anything after the first time i did it with the first episode i i figured you were fine with it so (laughs) it's i mean do you not listen to your own show do you not check the the shit you don't you don't check your shit? Of course I
1: do. Usually,
3: <laughs> you don't run a tight ship around here, do ya, John? I've been busy. i just I'm kidding, your Majesty.
1: <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg, Your Majesty. How'd you even make the episode sound that way? None of any of that actually happened outside the stories they told. What the fuck was all that weird editing that made it sound like I was killing people?
2: Well,
3: I just thought that you know because this is a scary story podcast that maybe you know people would like something a little more than just you all doing the same thing except just around a campfire you know i thought maybe make it special since it's just special <laughs> again no offense <laughs> i promise you i'm not meaning offense by this
1: offense taken we did do something else we hosted the weekend retreat for kids and raised a shit ton of money for after school programs in the process Everyone had a great time and went home healthy and happy.
3: Yeah, and I get that. I just, I thought this made things more interesting. Like, I'm just, I thought maybe it would make people want to listen to it, you know? Like, they'd want to listen to
1: this podcast. It's mostly a lie. Like, that shit you see in movies when people suddenly wake up in the end and it's all a dream. It's the most bullshit cop-out in cinema. And how you did the same thing to my podcast. My baby. My reason for waking up most days.
3: I... I get that, but just, I mean, don't
1: do not you have a wife and kids? What's your point? I mean, what are, what are they to you? So, let me get this straight. You took all the audio from us at camp, good, clean fun with us all telling scary stories, and made it seem like I'm some psycho killer who wanted to chop up my own narrators? Why would I possibly want to do that? Why the fuck would you possibly want to do that?
3: I, I, I... I just, I uh, just, you just what? I, I, I wanted to, to protect you, okay? I wanted to protect you. Protect me from what? The the other stuff. What other stuff? The stuff the other microphones picked up.
1: Other microphones.
3: Yeah, I was thinking it's kind of like cannibal Holocaust.
1: You know, I've never eaten anyone. I mean, there's was that one time. It was one of those blind tasting menus. They said it was veal, which I'm totally against, by the way. But I'm almost positive it was actually...
3: <laughs> no, 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 not that part. Like, you know how the director of Cannibal Holocaust actually had to go to court because people thought he killed the actors in the film? And then they had to, like, show up and prove it was just a movie. Well, I mean, <laughs> I figured I made the audio sound like it killed the narrators, and then you'd You'd prove they were alive, and people wouldn't, you know... They wouldn't notice the other stuff. The stuff in the woods. Wink, wink. Can you see me winking? It gets pretty graphic, man. What did they do to make you so mad?
1: They know what they did. So, you, uh... You know where the bodies are hidden, so to speak.
3: Yes, I... I I... yes sensei figuratively and <clears throat> literal, literally you know like, like exactly
1: hmm. interesting I'm not sure how to say this but thank you I appreciate you
3: oh <laughs> wow uh, <laughs> you're welcome M- my maestro my, my big cheese can I you, can I call you my big cheese?
1: No, seriously. You're looking out for the podcast, and you're looking out for me. Don't think that doesn't mean something special to me. In fact, I've never said this to an intern before, but I'm gonna make sure your death is painless. Mostly.
3: What? What? You're going to kill me? I don't get I don't, it. You, you, just, you, just, you just said thank you. Why are you going to kill me?
1: You said it yourself. You know where the bodies are hidden. Kind of a liability. Plus, you're an intern. It's in your contract. Why doesn't anyone on this show ever read their contract? <laughs> you know
3: what? I thought this might happen. Actually, I should let you know something. I've been recording all of this the whole time and it's going to automatically upload if I don't put in the password and guess what this bad boy it's backing it all up that's right I'm backing all of this up onto my talk boy
1: that's okay I'm good
3: you admitted you were going to kill me you admitted that there were bodies in
1: the woods yeah but no one's ever going to find those bodies I'll just tell everyone that this was a little skit that we were doing like our ads now let's face it no one knows who you are and they won't miss you I already forgot your name. What was it? Owens? Hibbs? Am I close? (laughs) No, but it's funny you should say that. Yeah, this is running long, and I have some things to tie up. Including you.
3: No, please. please. I I did this for you. You can't. I I interned for you. I gave you all of my intern abilities.
1: Sure I can. There's plenty of college kids out there looking to fill your spot for a bullet point on a resume. Four-year degrees don't really mean as much as they used to. If it makes you feel any better, people will forget all about you by the time the outro music starts.
2: Why, why would that make me feel better? I said if. Wait, wait, no, 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 don't stab me, no, no, please, no. Not my guts, I love my guts, they're my favorite part of me. My guts
3: are my favorite, please don't stab my guts. Anything but my guts, stab my
2: brains, stab me in the legs. But oh my guts! Oh, God!
1: For more information on this podcast, including how to submit your own story for consideration, please visit creepypod.com. You can also follow us at CreepyPod on social media and YouTube. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the creepy podcast production team and the story's authors.